Well, hello there. I'm Tracy Resch Williams, business coach and consultant for Alaska Tracy. Businesses work with me that are seeking calmness, clarity, and prosperity. Using my vision mapping framework, I guide them on their journey to success. On this podcast, you can enjoy hearing inspirational stories of success, as well as business tips and tools that you can actually use. So thanks for joining in. And oh, please remember, click the subscribe button, invite your friends and leave a comment. Thank you. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 59 of Alaska Tracy podcast. Today, we are going to be talking with Eric Schwartzman. He is an author, speaker, trainer, and digital media consultant. I'm excited to share with you about his book, The Digital Pivot. It's Secrets of Online Marketing. Hear Eric's story of success in the digital marketing arena. Without further ado, let's welcome today's guest, Eric. Well, hello, Eric. Thank you for joining Alaska Tracy podcast today. Hi, Tracy. It's great to be in Alaska virtually. <laughs> All the way from Santa Monica. Wonderful. I'm really excited to hear about your journey to get exactly where you are today. So if we could start way back when we were talking before I hit record and you said that you've had many obstacles along the way. Where did you start out? Well, you know, there's a saying, um, man plans and God laughs. And I think that probably is a pretty, pretty true statement for my life. I, I went to film school because I wanted to be a motion picture director. But I realized uh, pretty quickly after I got out of film, film school that you can get rich in the film business, but it's tough to make a living. And I wound up in marketing at a special effects company. And, uh, you know, I've been in marketing ever since. Uh, so it was uh, not the direction that I intended to go, but I did find that marketing does allow me to be creative and uh, it's never the same thing twice. And I'm actually better at it than I was at filmmaking. So I feel like I, I did find my place. What year was that when you wanted to get into filmmaking, Eric? Well, let's see, I graduated um, from college in 89. And I went to work on a sitcom as an intern. I did that for a little while and uh, did some work in and around uh, music video production. And then I wound up at a special effects house as their marketing person. And I pretty much found my stride there. Um, wound up getting recruited from, from that company by an amusement game manufacturer which um, we took public on the NASDAQ exchange and raised a bunch of money and spent it just as fast. And then I went to work in Hollywood at the largest public relations firm in the world and rose through the ranks to director of promotions before going out on my own and uh, launching a software as a service company that gave PR people the ability to manage an online press room. Holy cow. And uh, built that company up, got clients like Toyota, Target, LinkedIn, 
sold it, uh, wrote a book, uh, bestseller, consulted, uh, went to work for a large B2B, billion dollar B2B as their chief revenue officer, left them about three years ago and have been consulting and am excited to be releasing my second book, The Digital Pivot, Secrets of Online Marketing, next month. Holy cow, what a story. What, what was your first book and what was that process compared to the second book? So um, I was one of the first podcasters. I no launched way. a podcast in 2005. Uh, podcasted for 10 years. We, I delivered over a million downloads in those 10 years. And um, over that period, I was invited by uh, Paul Gillen, who had written already three or four books, to write a book with him about how business-to-business companies are using social marketing. And so we published a book that was the first book about using social media for B2B called Social Marketing to the Business Customer, which became a bestseller. It was an awful process writing that book. It was like being in the dentist chair for six months. I hated it. Paul... God bless him, did the heavy lifting because he was an editor. So he walked me through the process, but I hated it. And this most recent book, I thought I was going to hate too. But you know what? I've really learned to be a pretty good writer since then. And I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. I woke up every morning at 4 a.m. And I wrote from 4 to 10 every morning for about 90 days. And I had my book. That is... Beautiful. And I'm sure there were some pain points in there, (laughs) right? I'm like, wow, that sounds like such an easy recipe to get a book done. Well, honestly, there was not a lot of pain around that. Um, If if there was any pain at all, uh, it was around, you know, the first book I did was published by uh, Wiley and Sons, which is a large publisher. So they did all the production Um, and this time I decided, you know, there aren't really no bookstores anymore. And I didn't, I didn't want to wait to have to go through a publisher. I wanted to get it out quickly. Also, I wanted to be able to give the book away for free. And with my old book, if I wanted to give it away for free, I had to buy a copy from the publisher for pretty much full retail. So it didn't make sense to go through a publisher this time. I decided to self-publish and learning that process has been the hard part, not the writing of the book, but how to design it. What's the difference between a copy edit, a line edit, and a proofread? Um, How do you have to lay it out for Kindle versus hardcover versus paperback? And I'm also recording an audio book, so doing that process as well. So it's really been learning that. But honestly, I really enjoy learning new things. And when I kind of, after I learn it, it's not as exciting for me. So it's really been a fun, fun process. I've enjoyed it. For me, the lockdown has been a lot less stressful because, you know, in a big city like LA, you spend a lot of your time just figuring out where to park, you know, how to get somewhere. Uh And I don't have to do that anymore. I'm also admittedly kind of a bit of a hermit. And so I don't feel the social pressure of like having to be out there and doing stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm, I, I do, I don't feel alone because I have my wife and my son. We're a close family and I have my dog. So I've actually, you know, the lockdown has been okay for me. I, I felt okay. We have a wonderful little house and we're happy. So things have been good for the most part. 
Nice. Yeah, we live in a cabin in the woods, literally. So I get it. <laughs> I get it. Um, so you, your book is coming out soon. Yeah, it comes out on the, the 14th of April. Right. Okay. And then the audio, when will that come out? Same day. So you're yeah. busily doing the audio now. Yeah, I've recorded everything except the last chapter. I record the last chapter tomorrow. Nice. And then I do have like a, a production group that will produce, you know, that finish does the audio mastering and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I just had to read it, but they did recommend, you know, if you're a self-published author, that's doing sort of a business book or a thought leadership book, they actually said, you know, you should read it yourself. People want to hear from you since you wrote it. If it's fiction, often people will get like a narrator or an actor to read it for them. But because it's sort of nonfiction around an area that is my domain, I decided to do it myself. Good for you. That's good. I did a journal, self-published a journal with the help of a graphic designer. And, and it is a process for sure. Um, well, that is really neat. And then you have the consulting business as well. You know, I don't really do much consulting. Okay. I mostly uh, do uh, speaking. So I do keynotes at conferences. I'll do breakouts at conferences. I do sometimes do some training, but really, you know, I, I don't really do consulting. I'm more of a facilitator and sort of a mentor. So I sort of work one-on-one, -on -one, usually with business owners that are trying to figure out how to pivot to digital. Okay. So if somebody were, were to say, um, I've got a website, it's not really generating new business. How would I go about doing that? Would, would you... That's my about? world. That is my world. Yeah, that's that's my sweet spot. And I, I enjoy working with uh, small companies at this point where I can really make a difference and where I like the people. Nice. My background in business is all about creating a plan. I call it a vision mapping framework. It's a written intentional plan. Have you created plans along the way or are you more of a uh, fly by the seat of your pants guy. What, what, how do you get things done in your world? Well, you know, I, I, so I, I have been in digital marketing for 20 years now. And uh, my experiences have taken me from backstage at the Grammy Awards uh, to, you know, Microsoft and uh, the U.S. Department of State and the Marine Corps. I mean, I've, I've been all over the world consulting speaking at conferences, training. So really what I do is I, I draw on my experience and um, I have created a framework for uh, sequencing the implementation of, of digital business in a way that I, I believe um, accelerates uh, results quicker than sort of, you know, trying to do all things at once, which I think is what a lot of people try to do, or they'll, they'll run to social media, or they'll run to SEO, or they'll launch a website, but they, they don't realize that a website, social media, and, and SEO are really just pieces of a puzzle. You really do have to know how it fits together, and how to sequence those pieces in order, because there is a logical order to how you roll these things out, just like there's a logical order to building a structure, you know, you can't 
frame the structure without a foundation. You can't pour the foundation until the drain pipes are in place. And, and so what I do is I sort of bring that awareness um, mostly to small business owners and used to be small business couldn't play in this space because it was just too expensive. You know, you needed to be a big company who could afford Oracle or SQL or these big software applications, but that's not the case anymore. Um, you know, particularly, I think as a result of the pandemic, we've gotten comfortable with teleconferencing, which has really given rise to sort of an explosion of the remote, remote worker. And I think we'll see more outsourcing through sites like Fiverr and Upwork uh, to specialists who will be able to come in and help small businesses with one or two things. And I think as long as you can pare things down into individual tasks, instead of dumping the whole mother load on one person, a small business owner can actually stand up a full stack digital business offering and compete. But I mean, you have to walk into it knowing that, you know, a website's not a business. I, the, 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 the analogy I like to use for a website is, um, you know, a website is like, like a building facade on the back lot of a motion picture studio. You know, if you, you walk down the back lot and you see all these facades built against stages. And if you open the door, there's nothing there but a brick wall. If they want to put uh, a performer on the second story for an exterior shot, they'll get ladders and fake it out like, like they're actual real structures. But if I were to invite you over to a facade to meet with me or do business or have a meeting, you would say, what's going on here? This isn't a real business. And I think that's what happens to a lot of companies that put up an online brochure without realizing that a website's an entryway into a digital business. So that involves having a pipeline, having a, a collection of tools that you can use to either acquire leads, prospect, nurture relationships, or conduct e-commerce. And uh, you don't do that just with the website. You do that with other tools as well. And the integration of those tools is what we call a full stack. And that's really the difference between, I think, companies that make it in digital business and companies that don't. You know, if you want to understand why some companies lead in digital business, just look under the hood, you know, check out their stack and you'll see they have a modern revenue engine. They have all the different pieces. They're all integrated. And uh, those stacks allow them to uh, do sales, marketing, and service in one environment without cutting and pasting from an email into the email marketing spreadsheet, from the email into the billing, into QuickBooks, from QuickBooks into the, into the project management tool. It's all integrated. And of course, each time we move content or information manually, uh, you know, that's, that's lost time, lost productivity. Wow. And uh, the whole time you're talking, Eric, I've got a, a old sleeping dog. I'm mm. wondering if the snoring is going to be picked up in the audio. So <laughs> I apologize. I, I don't think so. I, I don't hear the dog. But it's interesting you should bring up a dog, an old dog. Because, you know, a lot of us have sort of been laid bare by this pandemic. Like it used to be, you know, you could sort of sit the digital revolution out and you could get around it by, you know, taking people out to dinner and around a golf or, you know, having foot traffic come into your store. You know, you could do direct sales, outbound sales, or you could do retail. But we saw, you know, the physical restrictions showed us my gosh, if you can't compete online, you can't compete. You know, for the first time, it brought into sort of stark view the importance of being able to operate in a digital environment. 
And so now we have this sort of nation of woke digital immigrants, you know, or rather old dogs that need to learn new tricks. And, and I, you know, we're seeing a real pent up demand right now for folks that are trying to execute some sort of digital transformation. How do I do my business online? How do I replicate what I used to do in the real world in a digital environment? It's a whole new world. It's a brave new world for a lot of people. And do it um, quickly. They want it done quick, quick, quick. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want it done quick and you want it done right, they, they say in construction, uh, there are three goals. I want it done fast. I want it done right. And I want it done cheap. And you get to pick two. So which two do you pick in, in the world of digital? Fast, cheap, or right? Are you asking me? Yeah. What do you pick? Fast, cheap, or right? I would pick right. I would so, pick so you get to pick two. Oh, uh, I, would pick, um, I would pick inexpensive and right okay so if you pick that if you want to be inexpensive and right then it can't be quick that's that's the trade-off yeah you can do it inexpensive and right if you're patient right you're willing to manage the process yourself you realize you know you're dealing with freelancers you don't get synchronous response things back and forth takes time because they have a portfolio of clients they have to satisfy mm -hmm. so if you want it done right and you want it done cheap then you got to wait, you know, so that's and kind it's of the tricky, you know, I've, I've got a gal working for me right now and it's, yeah, it's tricky. It's uh, yeah. You get, you get what you pay for <laughs> sometimes. And uh, yeah, it's so a business of my size, would you work with somebody of my size, one person shop? Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it would really be up to, the, the client to decide that, not me. Okay. I wouldn't suppose to say, you know, I, I pretty much leave it up to the client to decide whether or not I'm right for them. You don't have like uh, a, a niche that you work with, like only. I mean, generally speaking, you know, most of the businesses that I'm working with are doing at least a million dollars a yes. year in sales. Yes, there you so go. I'd say you're probably around there. And, and, and probably if they're under a million, they're probably going to read my book and listen to my podcasts. Right. And, and sort of do it themselves that way, which, you know, you can do. Right. You right. can do this stuff. So when you're, you've been growing your business all along, how have you, what's been your trajectory with being a, a one-man operation? Because I know you're not. You said that you kind of have a crew. No. No, okay. I am a one, okay. I am a one man consultant, just me. I do use all sorts of gig workers through Upwork and Fiverr specialists when I need help with things. So I'm, I have a, a rich collection of freelancers nice. that I bring on constantly to support me. So I don't edit my own podcast. I don't book my own guests. I don't write my own show notes. Wow. Um, I didn't and design my book interior. I didn't design my book cover. I'm not recording my own audio book. So I really do surround myself with experts to help me with things. And how long did it take you to get to that point? To like relinquish control and say, I need help. I need to start bringing people in to help me. Yeah. 
That's a great question, Tracy. I mean, that I think that's really when you start to take off, when you start to let go, you know? It's like, and it's 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 counterintuitive because you know, you feel like, you know, in order to get things right, you need to control them. But the truth is you have to sort of let go to grow, you know, you can't do it all yourself. And I think, um, you know, getting to the point where you accept that it's not going to be how you want all the time. And it might be not, it's not going to be done the way you want most of the time. But if the result is satisfactory and if it frees you up to be able to do the things you want to do, it's worth it. Like, you know, since um, I started writing the book, I jobbed out. Every, everything related to my business so I could focus on the book. I stopped doing my uh, show notes for my blog. I was never really, I was editing some podcasts, but I stopped that. Uh-huh. I stopped booking. Um, so, you know, I think you sort of have to look at, you know, what the immediate goal is. Focus on that. Here's an interesting story. So in my, in my business that I was mentioning to you that I launched, that was the software as a service business for PR people to manage online newsrooms. The first big account we, we signed was target stores. And I remember being so scared. We went to meet with them and, Oh my God, I don't want to screw it up or say the wrong thing. And we flew back to Minneapolis and we're in this meeting and, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, we're this little company, we're this little startup. Nobody knows us. And this is Target, and they're a Fortune 100. Why would they be hiring us, you know? And I remember we went to dinner that night, and, you know, after a few drinks and the conversation loosened up a little bit, I was talking to, you know, the the client, and I asked that question. I said, you know, just out of curiosity, you know, you guys are Target. I mean, you have so much resources. Why wouldn't you just do this yourself? Did they look at your... Co-workers look at you like, what are you doing? Well, as I said, you know, we were at dinner. Yeah, yeah. We were starting to bond a little bit. We'd had a few drinks. It was loose. You know, I floated it in a way. I didn't say it like, oh, you know. Right, right. Just kind of floated it. Yeah. And and he, what he said was really interesting. Actually, it's a she. And she said, you know, our IT resources here at Target are scarce. We don't have enough IT people here to get done everything we need to get done. So our strategy is to focus our internal IT resources on reinforcing our core competency. And our core competency is retailing on razor thin margins. So really our people are focused on supply chain management. So if we can buy something off the shelf Like we wouldn't invent our own payroll software. We wouldn't, uh, you know, we don't have our own power plants. We buy our power from a power provider. You know, we don't, we don't, we're not our own phone system. So if we can buy it off the shelf, we risk not making a mistake and screwing it up. And we can maximize our internal IT resources on reinforcing our core competency. And, you know, I never forgot that lesson. And I think it's really a smart one. You know, think about, what is it you do really well? And what is it sort of that is your competitive edge? And how can you focus all your brain power on that and outsource everything else if you can afford it? I think that's the smart way to go. And that's a lot of the businesses that I work with. They're small and they're 
they're like, how can I afford it? And I'm, you know, it's like, how can you not afford it? And that's, like you said, I think once you're able to let go a little, that's when the prosperity starts coming in. Well, so, you know, my book is all about pivoting to digital. And if you think about, you know, the alternative, what is the alternative to pivoting to digital? If you don't do it, what are the alternatives? Well, the alternative had always been outbound marketing. Rather than helping customers find us, we're going to go out and find customers. You know, we'll do it the old-fashioned way. And if we can't knock on doors, we'll send emails. And if we don't have foot traffic, we'll telemarket. But we will, darn it, we will figure out a way to get in front of our customers. But if you think about what's happening, you know, in terms of like, I don't know about you, but I ignore messages from brands I don't want to hear. I get a lot of unsolicited email. I delete them before I open them. And I certainly don't answer a phone call from someone I don't recognize. And if you sort of, if you look at what's been happening to outbound marketing over the last two decades, it is the, you know, it is diminishing in impact and continues to do so. So what, so what is the alternative to being able to get found online. You know, if we are in an age where customers are looking for answers to problems they have to solve on the internet, if we can't get found by people who are looking for problems that we solve, then what is our future? I mean, I think our future is obsolescence. Or there's another, I think, even worse outcome than that, which is we become sort of a digital sharecropper And I think about like um, all these small businesses, all these small restaurants who were just caught flat-footed by the lockdown. Mm -hmm. You know, what did they do? Well, they all invested in Square, which is a point of sale and kitchen management system Mm -hmm. for processing orders. And it integrates with Grubhub, Postmates, and Uber Eats. Mm-hmm. So what they did was all these small restaurants, you know, who used to get their money by having people come and eat at their place and get takeout now had to go to this digital system just to get customers. Well, guess what? Uber and Grubhub doesn't just charge the customer. They charge the restaurant too. So now the restaurant is basically forfeiting a huge share of their profits just for access to their customer. On the other hand, you know, you look at the bigger companies that have their own mobile app, say Domino's, you know, mm-hmm. I think during the first, right after March, first quarter, Domino's actually saw sales rise and 80% of those sales were from the mobile app. While I think 17% of restaurants in the U.S. closed. And that's from a keynote that I gave to the National Coffee Association ah. just last week. So that's, those are hard numbers. And, and you think about, you know, Gosh, all these companies that didn't have their own platform and had to use someone else's platform for access to their customers, they wound up having to pay a hefty commission, a hefty fee. So really, you know, if you want to be king of your own castle or, or queen of your own castle, you need a way of, get, of, of controlling the customer relationship. And you can't do that on Facebook. You can't do it on Yelp. You can't do it on Amazon. You can only do it on your own website if you have an email address. And so that's really what I'm about. I'm about helping companies start with a strong foundation, which is owned media, media you own, your website, your mobile app. 
from there, social media, on top of that, earned media, and then paid media uh, comes last, almost in a Maslowian format. Because, you know, it doesn't matter. Don't tell me to go out and find love if I don't have a safe place to sleep. I need a safe place to sleep first. Then I need food to eat. Then maybe I can go find a mate and have children and, and raise a family. But there's a logical order to digital media as well. And it starts with owned media, which is your own media. It moves from there to shared media, which is your social media presence. And the value of that is not selling. The value of that is demonstrating that a community endorses your point of view and demonstrating that you're legit. From there is earned media. That's getting magazines or other people to say good things about you. And that's where you have the greatest potential for growth. But no one's going to write about you if you have a crappy website and no followers at all. You don't have to have a million followers. Just can't be a ghost, you know? And once you've sort of figured out that organic cocktail of owned, shared, and earned media, then you're ready to layer on paid media because you know what works. Right. And that's my methodology. And that's what I lay out in the book, The Digital Pivot, Secrets of Online Marketing. I love that. That's wonderful. Really good. Uh, what, What is your... How do you define success? You know, for me, yeah, I think success, I think it's a personal question, first of it's, all. That, that's, you say. It is. A very personal question. For me, I just want to love and be loved. Nice. Nice. I love, I love that. <laughs> do, you, do you have any last words of wisdom that you can share with the listeners? Well, you know, I would say, I guess, if you're on the fence, you know, about whether or not to sort of jump into the, into the mix with digital, um, I think about my father, you know, who's no longer with us, but um, he said, uh, he, he passed away many years ago and he never went on the internet. He never had to go on the internet. And I almost envied him. You didn't have to deal with it, you know? I would say, you know, if you're sort of approaching your twilight years and you can get by without doing this stuff, God bless you. Right! (laughs) That's what I would say. If, on the other hand, you know, you've got a good 10 years before you retire and you need to really figure out how to, you know, generate an income and and be of use in this post-pandemic environment where I think, you know, people now realize that you don't have to be in the same room with someone to do business. Um, You know, figuring out how you're going to generate new business opportunities on the internet should be your first order of business. You know, I think it's probably the most important thing. And um, honestly, I think uh, the digital pivot is really, it's the first overview book for the general business reader, for the layman, about how to approach digital marketing strategically. There are all sorts of books written about each aspect that I, that I cover in the book. But if you don't want to read a library and you just want to read one book or even listen to one book because it's available as an audio book as well, uh, go to digitalpivotbook.com and check it out. You can download the first chapter for free. And if you like it, you know, you can check it out from there. 
Wonderful. I will be buying it and I know I'll be buying it as a giveaway for one of my workshops or my Visions to Profits Women's Membership Community. And I look forward to probably listening to it. I'm a better listener than reader. I really I am too. I, I, I prefer, you know, they say everyone has a different type of intelligence mm -hmm. and I definitely learn best listening. I do too. My husband can read books like candy. I mean, he can just plow through them and yeah, I am a listener. So I, I really look forward to listening and learning Eric. And I really thank you for all your information today. Uh, you can find Eric. I'll, I'll put all his information in the show notes, ericschwartzman.com and uh, buy his book. Yeah. So Digitalpivotbook.com will take you to the um, page on my website where I have information about the book. Wonderful. Thank you for your time, Eric. I really appreciate you. Thanks Thank for you, Tracy. All right. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks for listening. And please remember to click the subscribe button and share with your friends until the next episode. Thank you.